Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We looked at joy inexpressible that's full of the glory of God. We're just going to be reading this passage together. I didn't get through the whole sermon last week, so this is part two. We're going to do a little bit of review to build some foundations here, but I want us to realize that the Lord had written this book to a group of individuals that were under tremendous persecution. They lost their homes, their livelihood. Um, They lost their city. They lost their network. They lost their support group, and they were scattered. They had lost each other. It's a letter that was written to an entire region where believers had been scattered. It was Really kind of unbelievable, you know, what had suddenly come upon them. Stephen was stoned in Jerusalem, and then they said that there was a great persecution that came against the believers. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for his salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. I want to read that again. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which perishes though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord and its power. By the power of the word of God, we receive the divine nature. By the power of the word of God, faith is released in our hearts. By the power of the word of God, we receive the anchor and foundation of our lives in the revelation of Jesus. So, Lord, we submit ourselves to the word of the Lord today. Let it be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Holy Spirit, you are always welcome in this place. I pray that the words that I speak would be your intention I pray, Heavenly Father, let the Spirit of the Lord come and bring revelation to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. He just blesses the Lord. 
blesses the Lord, and he comes before the Lord with thanksgiving. The power of thanksgiving. It's the, the holidays coming up. In everything give thanks, the Bible says, for this is the will of God. How can I be thankful in every situation? The Apostle Peter helps us with that. Again, why are we looking at the life of Peter in this book that he has written? Because he is a man that got from, came from obscurity, a man who was a fisherman, who, a man who had given everything to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And he went from fisherman to follower to what he calls here now apostle and a messenger. I can identify with that, and you can as well. Coming from being in the obscurity of humanity, deciding to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and then coming into calling and destiny. He said, I am an apostle. What does that mean? He means I am a messenger. You carry the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we all are teaching the people to observe all the things that Jesus has commanded us. And he says he's going to be with us even to the end of the age. So in all of that, we just continue to have a thankful heart before the Lord. Why? Because you today, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are on a trip. You are on a journey and a destiny, chosen before the foundations of the world, loved by God. God wasn't surprised by anything that you did. He wasn't disappointed. He wasn't caught off guard. He knew you and loved you before the foundations of the world. He dwells above time. And so the day that he saved you, he knew what he was getting, past, present, and future. But now you've been established. God knows the beginning to the end of your life. He knows your past failures, and sometimes we're willing to give those to God. But he also knew today's failures and tomorrow's failures. And the Lord is with you. So we follow the God who knows the beginning to the end. So every day, no matter what happens, God knew that day. He had already been there. My job is to tap into the one who saw it all. He goes before me on the path, and he leads me down that path. And as we just read in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I remind you what we talked about last week? Paul here, if we're going to identify with him, had given his life to Jesus. I threw down his fishing nets and gave up his boat. And he says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Didn't unfold exactly like he had expected. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ since then, has there been any unfolding events that you didn't think it was going to look like that when you decided to follow Jesus. And it came to a point at which hope was buried in a grave for three days. And it happened right after he had denied the Lord. Maybe he could, was tempted to think, my Savior was taken away from me and now I'm being punished for it because I had rejected the Lord. Then the rooster crowed and all the condemnation and guilt of what I had done. He was tempted to believe he was in a hopeless situation because a choice that he had made and a bad decision. But now, beautiful thing happened. Christ rose from the dead. He came and he spoke to Peter. We looked at it last week. And what happened? 
He says, oh, no, I don't have just any old hope. I have a living hope. My hope lives. I've seen the risen Jesus Christ. Listen, when you and I are walking through this life, you are going to have distresses, persecutions, troubles, and disappointments. And what does the Lord say? The Lord says to us, no, you have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? I mean, does that, does that build scaffolding around your heart? It ought to. It's a beautiful thought, the hope that we have right now. A human being cannot exist without hope. Numbered among humanity are some of those who have taken their own lives. What a tragedy is that? Everyone who has ever taken their own life has one thing in common. They lost hope. We cannot live without hope. And Peter is letting us know today, you cannot live without hope. We live in a generation right now where we're having rejected the Lord, we are stepping into a hopeless generation. And it makes us susceptible to issues concerning life. I serve on the Spiritual Advisory Council for Heidi Ganahl, who's running for the governor of the state of Colorado. And anybody who stands for life, it says, it comes down to this issue where they're talking about it and say, but where do you draw the line? Are you just saying, is there no situation in which that you would say, yes, we can allow the termination of a pregnancy, but I just want to say this to all of you. Where are we as humanity if we believe that we can evaluate the value of someone's existence? When we start saying to one another, your conception produced something that's not valuable. So now we're raising a generation of young people who when they lose hope or they get depressed, what happens? They've, not, they've been taught already by our culture, God is not an option. And where there is no hope, they just say this. Whether I exist or not doesn't matter. There's no intrinsic value to it. And when we begin to look at one another and just say, that is a valuable conception, and that is not a valuable conception, when we make value judgments on people's existence, then we create a sense of hopelessness inside the human heart. There's no reason to get up today, nor is it maybe any reason for any value of your classmates as well. The difference between a culture of life and a culture of death all has to do with hope. If I know that God created me and then I come into the, the, the understanding of being washed clean and forgiven that Jesus loved me so much that he was willing to die for me, I have a living hope in Jesus Christ. And somewhere along the journey, Peter just decided something. I will never be hopeless again. I will never believe that something cannot be redeemed. I will never believe that God cannot restore. 
And that's just such a beautiful thing. That is life's greatest treasure. My faith in the living hope. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that I shall stand in the last day. In, in chapter 1, verse 4 of 1 Peter, it says to us that we obtained an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. The Lord is saying there is no price that you have paid as a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no determination that even though you're being tried, you refuse to get into the flesh. You refuse to enter into unbelief and doubt. You are at the point where you have said to yourself, I will not have a mark on this day of unbelief or of words that are coming out of my mouth speaking any kind of hopelessness because I know that if I stand in faith today that I am laying up for myself a treasure in heaven. It is undefiled. It cannot be corrupted and it will never fade away. Jesus says, some of you this week, you know what you did? You decided to not say something in the middle of personal stress and maybe anger coming against you. and You held your tongue. You could have fought that battle. You could take that individual on. You could slice them and dice them. But you know what? You held your tongue. And what did you do at that moment? You decided that this treasure that is in heaven is more important than my ability to release my flesh into that situation. When we realize that the smallest act of obedience before the Lord places a treasure where it will never pass away, Jesus says that the man, whatever you do in secret, the Lord will reward openly. Some of you tithe today in faith. Some of you are in the middle of a test or a trial financially. Nobody knows what you're going through. And yet that expression of faith before God, the Lord Jesus said to us, you have just planted a treasure in heaven that is, will never fade away. We will receive crowns for which we will be able to rejoice in the Lord forever and ever and ever. And then we'll just take it off and throw it at the feet of Jesus and say, it was you the whole time, Lord. I want to be able to give him something, something back. Then it goes on to say this, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I just want to say this to all of you. It's God's job to protect you, and it's God's job to, throw up, to show up in power. You don't believe God in order to make it happen. You believe in God because that's what you've been called to do. The power belongs to God. The results belong to God. Some of you went to the school board meeting this week and they ended up voting 5-0. And you felt as though you're fighting for the future of children. But the thing is this. The power belongs to God. Faith belongs to you. Results belong to God. Duty belongs to you. 
Maybe we would be a lot better off if we actually stopped carrying the burden that we believe that our faith walk means we need to make it happen. You don't have to make it happen. God is the one who makes it happen. You are the one who believes. And you're believing in God and you're trusting the Lord and you're putting feet on your faith so that at the end of the day, you just say to yourself, God, it was my job to believe. Now it's your job for the results. And when you and I get to that point, we don't have to lose hope. and We don't have to lose joy. We live in a world right now being completely manipulated by its leaders in a spirit of fear. And they're governing and legislating out of a spirit of fear. And you do not belong to the spirit of fear. You belong to the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't lose your sanity. Faith causes you to keep your mind. As we're looking at this passage right here, it gives me just a great deal of peace to know I only, only must believe. I must only be obedient to those simplest of all things. Man, Jesus made it so simple. If you're wondering, like, how do I live out my faith? Just go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the greatest sermon ever preached to humanity, the Sermon on the Mount. It's your manifesto. It's how you live for God. You should all know Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you hardly ever hear a sermon about it. You know why? Because Jesus just made it simple. If they ask you to go with them one mile, go with them two. If they ask for your shirt, give them them your coat too. He just said, don't fear about tomorrow. Jesus Jesus brought it down to something that you could have learned in Sunday school. It's your job to believe and obey. It's God's job to take care of the results. You are protected by the very power of God. I'm protected by the power of God. Doesn't matter what the newspapers say. I'm protected by the power of God. You don't have to be afraid. In 1.6, it says this, and this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. I, I just love that verse right there. He's saying to us, you greatly rejoice. When I think about that, you know, we're not going to win the world with the longest faces in the room. We're not going to win the argument when we are overcome with sorrow. We'll never be the light of the world if our countenances are dark. That's not an option for faith. See, the results are God. Okay, God, they voted 5-0. It's your problem now. I'm not losing my joy. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
And we realize as we look at this passage right here that he says, you greatly rejoice. You're just, you maintain the attitude of gratitude, of thankfulness before God. In every trial and situation, you're just saying, thank you, God. This is a wonderful opportunity to not be the human being I used to be. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to be like Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to learn how to manage my tongue because he said if a man can control his tongue, he can control his whole body. Thank you, Lord God, that in the middle of all of this, you said the trial of my faith is more precious than gold that perishes. God, I don't have enough gold even today to make the rent. And yet you just the Lord just says to you, you know what? It's your job to believe the results belong to me. And the Lord is saying to you and I, don't enter into fear, the spirit of fear. Because what we have to understand this is that when we might not have enough gold in our pockets, God is saying that this is a trial of your faith for gold that doesn't perish. The trial of your faith. Your faith is just being put in the fire. Here's the reality. There's only one way to purify gold, and it always takes heat. And the Lord calls your faith gold. If there is no heat, your gold can't be perfected. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to be perfected. Thank you, God, for this chance to change. Thank you, Lord, because I can walk through this now with the promises of God and believe you. And the results aren't mine. They're yours. You're going to see me through, Lord. But I am going to do what I've been asked to do to believe you, and that's what I will do. And the Bible says this, those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. And that is the truth. I've seen it in my life and in the lives of the churches that I've pastored. No, don't put on that long face. The Bible says this, it's only, it's here for a little while, if need be. The trial's just for a little while. I've shared the examples before, and I'll do it again. When we understand that the Lord has told us, listen, just get through this trial. A pastor once said, why don't we have people just stand up and give a quick recite, quickly recite the scripture verse that you value the most. And one old gentleman stood up and he said, my favorite verse scripture is this, and it came to pass. The pastor said, that can't be your favorite verse. He goes, yeah, I learned to live by that. Anything that's come, it's come to pass. Two farmers that were leaning on a fence post, the one farmer said to the other, do you think it'll stop raining? And the other farmer says, it always does. It's come to pass. It's for a short while. Some of us have been called, listen, life is short. That's what the Bible teaches us. In the years of pastoring, I know that there are saints who are praying for a child when they passed away and never saw their child come to faith, and they came to faith after. Because they believed for the long haul. Life is short, believe. Try to figure out this whole, the oxymoron of 
of joy in the middle of trials. It says that rejoice, but be distressed. He says you're distressed. He says you have a, that word actually means you have a huge weight on you. How do you figure that out? Well, if we're beginning to be like Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, it says that there's a prophecy concerning the Son that God had given. And it says, therefore, your God, therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy above your compassion, your companions. It's saying in that verse right there that Jesus was more joyful than everybody else. Do you know what they say? You know what psychologists say? You put a bunch of people in the room and everybody will end up following the happiest person. Because some people can't get there. Here's what he's saying is that above all his companions, what made Jesus infectious? He had more joy than the others. What will make you infectious in any trial, any circumstance? You find yourself going into a room where you're not popular. I'll tell you what, don't lose your joy. Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus received the oil of the Holy Spirit and it made him glad above his brothers. But then it says this in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. He was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. You see life for Jesus? A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief and oil, anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. Try to figure that out. What did Peter learn through being a follower of Jesus Christ? What did the book of Hebrews tell us about Jesus? That God gave him a name above every other name, right? But that it says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Did, because he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows, did he not feel the nails going through his arms? Of course he did. Did he not feel the crown of thorns, the burning of the sweat pouring into his eyes? Did he not feel those things? No, he was distressed. He was distressed in the Garden of Gethsemane when the sins of all humanity was being placed upon him under such distress that he... Sweat, great sweat drops of blood that only happens in the human body when the capillaries, because of blood pressure going off the chart, begin to burst. It was happening in Jesus when he was saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. His blood pressure was off the chart. But he was distressed, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame of it. And now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In order to be able to be like Jesus, which Peter is calling us to, we'll have opportunities to walk the path of Jesus. you got to keep the joy even in the middle of the cross. But it came to Jesus. It came to pass. The cross came to pass. Now, I like also that it says in there, even though now for a little while, if necessary. Here's why I can be thankful to God in the middle of any circumstance that happens in my life, because Peter taught us in the scriptures. 
that nothing comes into my life unless it's necessary. Nothing's random. Nothing's anybody else's fault. The truth is this. The Lord says this. I'm not going to allow anything to come into your life. But if it does come into your life, it's only because it's necessary. You have to learn to believe there. You have to learn to submit there. You have to learn to guard your tongue there. You've got to learn how to be more Christ-like. And the thing is this, is that the trial will not last longer than necessary. That's beautiful to me. Trial lasts a day, it came to pass. A trial lasts a week, it came to pass. If a trial lasts a month, it came to pass. But the truth is this, is that God is on your side. You're protected by the power of God. And your God loves you so much that a trial will not last one moment beyond the testing of your faith and the perfecting of the gold. As soon as we get there, boom, it's gone. There's no punishment in it. The punishment was on Jesus. Oh, it lasted so long because what I did was so bad. No. God cannot punish you and remain just. When Jesus died on the cross and he said it was finished, he was saying, I took the punishment of all humanity. And if God put all the punishment of your sins on Jesus, and then when you sinned, he punished you, he would then be unjust because the price was paid already. Yes, I, I'm not saying there's not the discipline of the Lord. The Lord will allow us to be disciplined. When we get on a path that's destructive, the Lord will allow the circumstances of our choices to catch up with us. But by that, I become like Christ. But here's something you have to settle once and for all. There will never be punishment in anything that happens to a believer. You ever had him tell you you're disqualified? I'll tell you what that is. That's condemnation. Why don't we use that word, damned? Damnation. Because the damned something means this. It means the situation is irredeemable and hopeless. It's been set on a course now that cannot change. And when the devil comes to you and he says, it's, this is an irredeemable situation because of what you did, this cannot be restored. Your chickens are coming home to roost. That's condemnation. And we're not allowed to go there. The proof of your faith being more precious than gold which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found the result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible is just saying this. Here's what we need to understand. God wants you to share in the glory of Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus prayed for you in John chapter 17? He says, Father, the glory that you've given to me, I've given to them. In every trial, you become more like Jesus. And when Jesus receives an inheritance, you will receive his inheritance with him. There's going to be a glory on you for every act of obedience. Do you know what it also says? There's going to be a praise on you. Praised by God? 
receiving his glory, there'll be positions of honor for every act of obedience before God. How amazing is that? And it'll come to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, here's the thing. You're going to believe for some things that you will not see. Not in this life, but you will see when Christ returns. That's why the results don't belong to me. The results belong to God. It is my job to believe because some of the things that I believe for will not be seen in this life. They will be seen at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what is my job? Only to believe. To take the baton from the previous generation that ran for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold on to that baton and run for him with all my life, with all my heart. Give the results to God and know that everything that I believe for will be revealed and it will never fade away. How awesome is that? When the fire comes, I want to believe. And it says, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's where we need to get Joy inexpressible. Joy so big you can't even contain it. You can't even describe it. Just every time you have a thought of Jesus, you just realize how much he loved you, and joy is released inside of your heart. That's what God has. The Lord says to you to dip with joy into the well of your salvation. Some believers have lost their joy, and the Lord says your salvation is a well of joy to dip into. Get there, joy inexpressible, and it's full of glory. You know what glory is? This is what joy happens when a believer. Can we make God the light bulb? Like, look, you can see the kind of the light bulb inside each one of these lamps. You look at that light bulb, and that's the light bulb. But the glory is the fact that it lights up my hand. The light bulb's there, but the glory's here. The glory of a light bulb is the radiance of light. The Bible is just saying this about you. God is the light bulb. But you can be the radiance of God. People can see what emanates from God just by looking at you. That's why joy is so important. Listen, joy can fill a room just like light can. And the Lord would call us to all of that. And he says, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Some, we can, we're tempted to sometimes say, like me, I got saved on May 9th, 1965. We can say, I got saved on 19, in, in 1965. No, I'm still getting saved. I'm still learning the glory of God. I'm still learning to radiate God. It is my desire in all of these things that the outcome, ultimately, what God is saying is, I know what I need to do to get you across the finish line. So trust me. This is about the salvation of your soul. Let me say that again. God knows what he needs to do to get you across the finish line. 
He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God knows how to get me there. God knows how to get you there today. So we're all in different places today. He said there's manifold trials. Manifold means this, as I said it last week. It means many folds. Also talks about the manifold wisdom of God, that there's many folds in the wisdom of God to be discovered. But manifold trials can come against you. Did you ever notice that troubles come in groups? Seasons of testings? In Florida, we had wolf spiders, and they were about this big. And I remember once sitting in the family room, and I saw these, like, two-and-a-half, three-inch legs suddenly coming over the top of the back door. They can flatten themselves and squeeze through, like, weather stripping and everything. And I hate spiders. <laughs> I know they're made by God, but... I remember once getting in the shower, getting into the bathroom, and I go to the shower curtain, and they love moisture. So I pull the shower curtain and just picture the da-da-da-da-da music, and there he was, like right at face level, inches away. When you are grabbing the curtain of life and you're pulling it, sometimes you're surprised what's in the folds of life, right? Manifold troubles. Our forebears had manifold troubles. First, it was just coming to the church service and, they, and Stephen had been stoned. Imagine what that was like. That was just the first fold, though. Then the second fold was, wait, some of us are starting to lose our job. Then the third fold was, another one of us has died in the city of Jerusalem. And then the fourth fold was, is I'm going to have to sell my house and we're going to have to move away from all family and friends and all of you that we love. And then they pulling the curtain and the Bible says, you've been facing manifold tr fold troubles. But in the middle of all of that, the Lord says to them, but I want you to know joy inexpressible and that's full of the glory of God. The Lord has not rejected you. You are protected by the power of God. You might not understand everything. You might not know how to, you know, get these two things to work. Man of sorrow acquainted with grief and the oil of gladness above his fellows. But the whole thing is this, and this we greatly rejoice because we are kept by the power of God and that I might not see all the answers to my prayers in this life, but the answers to my prayers are going to be revealed at the revelation of Jesus Christ and everything that I have trusted God for is restored in a place that is pure and undefiled and will never fade away. How awesome is that? So the smallest expression of faith that you make before God today I want you to know Jesus is the God who sees in secret. is going to reward you openly. Let's all stand up today. Father, I thank you, O oh Lord, for your word. I thank you for a living hope and salvation today.
Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed? If you're here today, you know there's no shame in this, but you just say to me, Pastor Jim, I just, I'm, in a, I'm in where the curtain's just unfolding and there's a lot of stuff in the folds. Is that you? Would you lift up your hand? Just You can do it before the Lord and you're just saying, I'm being tried all over the place. I'm in one of those seasons right now. Father, you see these hands that are lifted up in this room today, Lord God, and we, we just realize that you are... You are the Savior, Jesus, that's in the storm. That you've called us to walk above the waves. So I pray for each one of these hands that are up here today, Lord God, and I just declare over their home and over their lives that you are in their situation. And that, Jesus, that you have called them to rule and reign with Christ. Speak the name of Jesus over your household and the blood of Jesus over your household. And I declare the blood of Jesus stands over you and over your household and no weapon of the enemy formed against you is going to prosper in Jesus' name, the name above every other name. If you're here today and you say to me, Pastor Jim, and you can put your hands down, but if you say to me, Pastor Jim, I've never met Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and today... I want to know that my sins are washed away. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want shame and guilt removed. I want God advocating for me. I want the Lord living inside of me, and I'm ready today to lay down my self-will and my sin. And today, I want to become a child of God. If that's you and you've never asked Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to re ask you to respond in two ways. Just if you're saying, I'm, I'm, I want to be included in the closing prayer of giving my heart to Jesus and receiving the salvation of the Lord, I'm just going to ask you to raise up your hand saying, today I want to be saved. And then if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come forward here today. You don't need to say anything or do anything, but Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. If you need Jesus as your Savior today, would you lift up your hand saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved today. I want to know the Lord. I don't want to die in my sins. I want to be one of the forgiven. Just in this quiet moment, I'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to anyone that's here today. Just raise up your hand saying, today I want to be saved. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and grace. I speak the blessing of the Lord over each person that's here. The Lord bless your going out and your coming in. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious unto you. May the countenance of the Lord shine upon you and be in peace. I thank you, God, for this beautiful day. Bless all that are here. And God, I pray that we would all be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our elders are here in the front. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. Let them pray for you. They want to pray for you no matter what your need is. Come forward and receive prayer. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.